that moment, I knew I had to let go and I had to trust him no matter what. And I went to the backyard and I fell to my knees. And for the first time, I think it was the very first time ever in my life, I really surrendered my will to God's will. And I said, I want what you want for me without my memories more than I want what I want with my memories. And I will take it your way. And when I did that, I began to really trust God with the no matter what's. And they came because no matter what's come in life. But this time I was walking with him, not away from him. And I gave up alcohol because it wasn't good for me. It wasn't serving me at all. And I gave it up and it became a new Marcy walking forward. Never got my memories back, but I was different. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get the incredible opportunity to sit down with an incredible human being, a person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career, whether they're an artist, whether they're an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader. I am talking with some of the most inspirational people each and every week. My goal with this show is to show you the listener that no matter where you are, no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact. My guest this week is the incredible Marcy Gregg. Marcy is an abstract oil painter. She's an author and a speaker. Her life was changed forever after a serious complication arose during the delivery of her third child, leaving Marcy in a coma from which there was little hope of recovery. Overcoming incredible odds, Marcy regained consciousness but lost almost 13 years of her memory. Faced with the daunting task of rebuilding her identity, Marcy slowly put the pieces of her life back together and even started her own corporate consulting business. However, she found that her gratitude for being given a second chance at life did not find expression in the confines of the corporate world. Determined to make the most of her life that had been restored to her, Marcy sold her successful business in 2006 and returned to her true passion, which is art. Her recent memoir, Blank Canvas, released in May of this year and is available now. Let me tell you when I say Marcy is one of the most inspirational people I have ever had a conversation with on this podcast in over 300 episodes. You are going to absolutely be blessed by this conversation, Marcy's story. And if you are not inspired to just take life by the horns, I don't know what will. But before I get to my conversation with Marcy, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Y'all know how much I love Mama Suds. We personally have used their cleaning products in our home for years. I've had Michelle Smith on the show. She's a good friend of mine, and I absolutely love everything about this company. Not only that it's a small business, it's mama-owned. Every product is non-toxic. It's safe using clean ingredients, but most of all... I love that every single product is effective from their stain stick to their all purpose cleaner to the Castile soap, you name it. Everything works. I love it so much. Head on over to mamasuds.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com and use the code Molly for 15% off. Now, without further ado, on to my conversation with Marcy Gregg. Marcy, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. 
We have a uh, a mutual love uh, and in common of Joy Egretreed. She's uh, both of our literary and speaking agents. And so I was saying right before we started recording, it's like when you have somebody like Joy in common as like a common friend, colleague, you just it just adds a a je ne sais quoi <laughs> to use a French term yes. <laughs> for um, yes. just a level of like. I'm probably going to love you because Joy loves you and I love Joy and it's like transitive property. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation that I just, I just already think you're amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I feel the same way about you. Well, I want you to give us the Marcy 101. So who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. I am Marcy Gregg and I have, um, I'm a studio artist, a professional artist. I am a wife, a mother of three grown children, a grandmother of four grandchildren and one on the way. And I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my paintings are represented in galleries across the country. And about 32 years ago, my life changed forever. Um, I went in the hospital to have a baby and something happened to be there that changed me. And um, in that, I became a different person. Mm. And I will let you ask me questions to tell the audience about that. Yes. So I know that you just released uh, your memoir, which, by the way, congratulations. I am so excited for you for birthing a book, baby, Um, because I know from so many friends who are authors and I'm in the very, very early stages of this in writing a book and how much work and time and blood, sweat and tears goes into it. So congratulations, number one on that. And it's called Blank Canvas. And it really is your story. And when I first heard your story, it felt like a combination is that there was that movie I think it was like with Rachel McAdams where she like, (laughs) there's like a Rachel McAdams movie and then also like a combination of that and then Adam Sandler's 50 first dates. So I have, it's like a combination of that. And I was like, this is, (laughs) wait, this is a real thing. So I want you to tell us your story because your story is so remarkable and the way that you have used that experience to impact so many other people is just incredible. So, so tell us, tell us your story. Tell us what happened. Well, it was the, we had two little boys and we decided to have a third baby and we went to the hospital to have this little baby. And I had a little girl and everything was great. And then 36 hours after she was born, I contracted pneumococcal bacterial spinal meningitis, but they didn't know that's what had happened because what happened was the nurses found me standing up in my hospital room screaming because my head hurt so bad. So they literally came over and they realized I had a very high temperature and they took me down to a room to work on me. And when the doctors were called in, they said, call her husband. He needs to get up here. She's not doing well because my fever was very high. And by the time he got to the hospital, I had already slipped into a coma. So by the time they called him, I got they got him to the hospital. I had gone into a coma. So it was very, very fast, which in itself was a miracle that I hadn't gone home from the hospital early. And I was still in the hospital when I got sick. I went into this coma and they then determined that it was pneumococcal bacterial spinal meningitis, which is a deadly, deadly virus. And I was in this coma for the week. And throughout the week, I just got worse and worse and worse. And the doctors tried everything they could do to help me. They hung one bag of IVs after another and nothing was working. They even 
drilled a hole into my brain to try to tap the pressure and that didn't work. Mm. And at the end of the week, they told my husband that they really didn't feel like I was going to, if I came out of it, I wasn't going to be what he knew. There were going to be great deficits, but the people prayed and God moved. I mean, that, that really is what happened. And the next morning I miraculously woke up. Wow. The problem was when I woke up, things had changed. And I knew that I was in a hospital room. I I was very, very, I I remember being terrified because I was tied down. And I remember not knowing the people around me, but I knew I was in a hospital room. But in my mind, I thought I was 17. And then when I asked them why I was there, they said, you've had a baby and you got very sick. And I knew that I was not able to have a baby because I was a 17-year-old. That that was not possible. And I said, you've got the wrong patient. I'm 17. And all of a sudden, a man came in and he leaned over me and kissed me. And that was my husband. But I didn't know it. I thought he was a doctor. Mm. And I literally pulled away from him. And then they told me that I had three children. So I had all of this information coming at me from every direction. Yeah, And it was just horrifying. So... That was what happened to me. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I have a couple different questions because, you know, what I always hear about, um, and I, you know, I remember like when I went to college, like I got a meningitis shot, you know, y'all remember like, mm-hmm. is there like a meningitis vaccine? So what's the difference yes. between like the kind of meningitis you get like in college, but that they vaccinate against right. versus what you contracted and how did you even contract it? Okay. The one you get a vir- the shot for, it's viral. And okay. I had bacterial. Okay. And bacterial okay. is what happened to me was I had a sinus infection when I went to the hospital to have the baby. And I, I didn't know it. I thought I had a cold. But when I was pushing her out during the actual delivery, it blew the bacteria from my sinuses into my brain. Mm. So the bacteria went into my brain. And that's what caused the infection. Okay. So I basically had blown bacteria in there. And you said that it is an extremely deadly form. And so obviously the chances of you surviving it were rare in and of itself. And what were the doctor's primary concerns of when you were in a coma? You said that they had said to your husband, you know, when if she wakes up, you know, she's going to be totally different. Was memory loss even on their radar? I don't think they were thinking memory loss. I think they were thinking my brain had been so swollen for so long. They didn't know what deficits would, what it would be affected in my brain. Would it be vision? Would it be hearing? Would it be paralysis? They just didn't know what had been damaged in my brain. Mm. So because oh, I mean, the whole brain was swollen. So you wake up and I can't imagine, I mean, that, that moment of you're waking up, you're in this, you know, you're in a hospital, but you think you're 17. There's all these, like the amount of information just to, it's overwhelming me sitting here thinking about it 32 years later of just you being there and hearing I'm married and I have three children. And I, you know, I, cause you also thought, and this is, I know that from, um, just from, you know, reading your stuff, like at 17, you were still living in Texas at the time you're living in North Carolina. So you think you're in Texas, you think you're in Dallas, like you just, so yes, the overwhelm. So when they realized like, well, one, how long did it take them to realize, okay, she's not remembering things? Like, was it pretty quickly? And then how did they course correct? 
Well, they 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 pretty much re- recognized it pretty soon because I mean, my husband recognized it. He saw it in my eyes when I pulled away from him. And he was just so full of grace and patience and love. And he just gently and slowly just kept coming back in. They took pictures of my children and put those all around the bed in the ICU so that I would have pictures of the children. They were hoping that would trigger my memory, but that didn't trigger my memory because all I did was look at those and think, well, those are cute children that somebody else owns. I mean, they're not mine. I mean, I was like, what in the world? Um, But they just, they kept saying, when your brain swelling goes down, the memories will come back. That was the, that was the famous mantra that they kept saying to me. So I believed them that that would happen. Um, I just didn't understand. That was what I held on to, that things would reconcile. I I began to believe that things will reconcile as my memory swelling goes down. But at that point, I still believed I was 17. I was very confused. And so, okay, so they began to surround you with hopefully these reminders. How long were you, you know, what was sort of their, their plan of care at this point? You know, was it, okay, maybe some type of therapy? Were they doing MRIs to you know, figure out what area of your brain was affected? I mean, how do they even determine, how do we then send this woman who thinks she's 17 home at 30 years old with three kids and a husband she doesn't recognize? Like, how did they even begin to, to recognize what to do there? Well, that was really, okay. There were two things that happened. First, they introduced me to the children and that was, and this was God's special gift. There were two really cool gifts that I have to mention. First was my sweet husband, I knew him in, in college and he was 19 and I was 17. And when I went out with him on his the first date, I came screaming back. And I remember this because I had the memory of 17. I remember coming back and running down the hall at the dorm and screaming, I met the guy I'm going to marry. Aww. So I, and I remember that and God gave, let me keep that memory. So I knew Deb Gregg when he was 19 and I was 17. The problem was the man that was in the hospital room with me then now was 32 and he didn't look anything like the yeah. guy that I knew it, when he was 19. He was old. Yeah. I mean, he was old. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I didn't recognize him. So that was but but I didn't know him. So once I scaled through the being old and got to the inner Deb, I knew the guy. Yeah. And I, I knew him. So that was gift number one from God. Mm. The other gift was when they brought the children to meet me in the hospital room. When I got out of the ICU and I went to a private room, they brought them in to meet me and I, they, they came in the room and when they jumped on my bed and they put that baby in my arms, I knew they were mine. I I did not remember the six years with my six-year-old or the three years with the three-year-old or having my baby. But I knew in my heart when I touched them that they were mine. Mm. It was God's gift. I was then able to nurture and love them because they were mine. And that was God's grace. And I I am so grateful for that even today. And that made me have this desire to go home. So the doctors began to talk about me going to rehab. Because when it came time to go home, they said, we feel like you probably need to go to rehab and kind of get everything lined up and let your memory have time to come back and get and learn how to do a few things and then go home. I wasn't going to have that. I was going home. I didn't, I was not going to, no more, mm -mm, not doing that. So I was determined to go home. So I had to figure out how to prove to everybody that my memories were coming back in that hospital room. And I Mm -hmm. knew that. 
So when people would come to visit and Dev would say, he never left. He stayed with me just nonstop. He and my mom did. And when people would come in to see me, he would say, hi, Jane. And I would parrot what he said, acting like I remembered her. And I would say, hi, Jane. And when he would say something, I would act like I remembered whatever they were talking about. And everybody thought my memories were coming back and they let me go home. Mm. So that's how I got out of the hospital without having to go to rehab. Was it the dumbest thing I ever did? Looking back, probably. But I wanted to go home to where Dev was and to where the children were that I had just realized were my children. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I mean, granted, this is somebody who has not experienced this. Like, I mean, just being a mother myself and putting myself, if like I'm kind of transporting myself to your position and I'm thinking about what would I have done in that situation? I would be the same way. I'd be like, I'm not going to rehab. I want to go home. Like, I want to be like, right. when, you, when you've experienced a level of trauma and like, shift in your life, the thing you need is stability. You don't need more. You don't need rehab. Right. I don't care what doctors say. I know maybe somebody right. listening is like horrified by that. But no, <laughs> I think I think that's the mother, the the innate mother nature uh, mm -hmm. within us. And um, just while you were sitting there kind of describing that moment that and, and I love the way that you describe it as a gift of being in that hospital room and, you know, the children I, I you know, because I have a six and an eight year old, and I'm picturing in my head, you know, them jumping on the the hospital bed and excited to see mom. And, you know, that's like this tension of beauty and the gift of it. And then I also was like getting choked up hearing you think about and, and say, I don't remember the six years with my son and I don't remember the three years with my son and how devastating that is. Like that's, I mean, but also like the beauty of you knowing and God giving you that gift of you know, you knew those were your your children. And so how did you navigate that grief of, yes, like losing 13 years of memories, 12, you know, 12, 13 years of memories is is huge. But things like the big things like, uh, you know, your wedding day, or and then the birth of your your sons, but then also the little things like how did you navigate the grief of losing those memories of your son's first steps or, you know, uh, snuggles in bed, you know, I mean, I, I, I think about that. And I just, oh, my gosh, I just, I'm sitting here, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> I didn't do it well. Yeah. Um, I prayed every single day. Because I was a believer, I had accepted Jesus as my savior early. Yeah. Um. So I was a Christian. Um. I but I I literally prayed every day that God would um give me my memories back. I had always been very self sufficient and very Type A personality, but now I really needed God because I could not fix this myself. This was first time I was up against something I couldn't fix. And so I prayed that he would fix this because my body was healed, but my mind wasn't, and it wasn't being fixed. Mm. And the longer it wasn't being fixed, I was getting more and more frustrated and more and more angry. And I got really angry at God and I turned to alcohol. That's how mm. I handled my grief. And I drank to forget what I couldn't remember. Mm. And it was devastating. I drank as a, it literally became my haven, a place where I went to forget. 
And it was instead of turning to God for solace, I turned to the bottle for solace. Never did it. I hid it. No one knew. No one knew. So now I had two dark secrets that no one knew about. Literally, no one knew that I didn't have my memories back. And no one knew that I was drinking at night. So no one knew. And I had these two secrets that I carried with me. And when people would say, how are you doing? I would say with a big smile on my face, I'm fine. Everything's great. We're doing good. When on the inside, I was breaking. (laughs) And this went on for several years. And it was hard. And I was, I felt, I knew in my heart, I was like the prodigal son who had run away, but I didn't know how to get back. And that was a terrible feeling. And I longed to hear God say, come back to me, but I couldn't hear anything because I was just so grief stricken. I wanted my memories back. I wanted to remember college. I wanted to remember getting married. I wanted to remember having the children. I wanted to remember the snuggles. I wanted to remember all of that. But God was so good to me. One night we were all sitting around as a family watching TV and I drew the short straw to walk the dog and I took the dog out. And as I was coming up the driveway, the dog lunged after a bunny. And when he did, he pulled me down. And as I got up, I had a perfect view. Literally, I was in a divine spot because I had a perfect view through the French doors where I had been sitting, where my family still sat. And there everybody was. And God spoke to my heart, just like I had longed to hear him for all those years. And he said to me, that is what I saved you for, the future, not the past. And as much as that father loves those children, I love you more. And just as that father's holding his daughter, I'm holding you. And I will not let you fall, but you've got to trust me. That moment, I knew I had to let go. And I had to trust him no matter what. And I went to the backyard and I fell to my knees. And for the first time, I think it was the very first time ever in my life, I really surrendered my will to God's will. And I said, I want what you want for me without my memories more than I want what I want with my memories. And I will take it your way. And when I did that, I began to really trust God with the no matter what's. And they came because no matter what's come in life. But this time I was walking with him, not away from him. And I gave up alcohol because it wasn't good for me. It wasn't serving me at all. And I gave it up and it became a new Marcy walking forward. Never got my memories back, but I was different. Mm. Man, I just feel like we just had some church up in here. Marcy, (laughs) I, well, one, I, I'm so grateful for your honesty and your vulnerability in sharing these deepest parts of your story. And while my own story is different, there are so many common threads in it that I connect with and relate to and Mm. really appreciate um, just the way that you articulate uh, what, you know, what you experienced and, and that sort of rock bottom moment. And you know, while mine didn't involve, you know, alcohol or it didn't involve, uh, you know, losing my memories. I just think about like that when you come to that crossroads moment. And I had a really similar crossroads moment where I heard that still small voice of the Lord say, are you are you going to trust me or not? <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I'd come to that that conclusion where of saying to myself, OK, God, I've been trying things my way <laughs> for a really long mm-hmm. time. And that's not working. So fine. <laughs> I guess I'll I yeah. guess I'll give it a shot your way. 
and how at, from that moment, everything changed. And like you said, it's mm-hmm. like, it's not like everything's been easy since that moment. It's not like I haven't gone through other tests and trials, but it's almost that moment of when you come to that place of complete surrender, where you realize, okay, this is the moment that like everything changes from here on out. And so when you face adversity, when you face trials, when you face um, suffering, grief, uh, loss, whatever it is, that then when you get to those moments, you already know what to do. And it's, Mm -hmm. you don't know like what the outcome is going to be. You don't know how it's going to all look in the end, but you know that if you take the path that in those moments, in those moments of trials, in those moments of tribulations, you have two choices, whatever it is. And that's, are you going to go walk towards God or are you going to walk away from him? And, you know, so when I get to those moments now, I say to myself, well, I've already done the other thing. (laughs) Like I know, I know, and I know where that ends me and it's not good and it's not good. So you have this moment out in the yard, which I, the way that you craft this story and the way that you share it, like in my mind's eye, I see it all. And so you just, I mean, I know you're an artist, but like you're a painter with words as well. And so I just hear that um, and I see it in my mind's eye. And so you have that moment, you walk back inside. At what point are you then having that conversation with your husband of, hey, here's, here's where I am. You know, here's the truth of I didn't lose, you know, I didn't gain back my memories or you know, I, I've been struggling uh, with an addiction or or whatever it is. What did you do from right. that point forward to kind of begin that that journey? Well, it was a couple of days later and I, we sat down and I told him and then I sat the children down and I told the kids and I just because I felt like I need to be honest with everybody. And I be, that began a walk of honesty because honesty was real important to me at that point. And I was going to be honest with everybody about how I had not been honest. Um, and people began to learn that I didn't have my memories and to the extent I didn't have my memories and that I was, and the, the alcoholism became, some people knew immediately, but some didn't. And then as the story went on, people began to find out because when you don't drink anymore, people wonder why you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. So um, that became, that became a, um, a question. And then that's when one morning I woke up and had this desire to paint and so that was what, when God brought painting into my life, but I just walked very slowly. I think, I think that would be the description was I walked, I didn't take a step without asking God, is this where I should step? I was so careful because I did not want to make a mistake. I wanted to walk ever so closely with him as I was walking through those first months and even years, just walk carefully. That was my thing. I'm going to walk with you, not ahead of you, not ahead of you. Because I was, had always been one that had just plowed forward. I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm going to take a quick break from our chat with Marcy to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Tradlands. Tradlands is an incredible, sustainable fashion brand that believes in clothing that you can live in now and love forever. Clothing that not only makes you feel like your best self, but also fits in a way that flatters. 
Their gorgeous dresses, pants, tops, and more are designed to move with you and throughout your busy days. Their Nico dress is my dress in a love language. Not only does it have sleeves, but it also has pockets. And let me tell you, you know how I feel about dresses with pockets. But I love how each and every piece from Tradlands is comfortable and it's stylish. They come in beautiful colors. I love my Nico dress in this like beautiful magenta pink hue but they also have classic neutrals like black and white and you know gray. <laughs> but one of the things that I love most about Tradlands is their focus on sustainability and creating small batch clothing that lasts. They never overproduce what they make and focus only on the highest quality materials. Check them out at tradlands.com forward slash business with purpose. That's T-R-A-D. L-A-N-D-S dot com forward slash business with purpose and use the code Molly 20 for 20% off. Now back to my conversation with Marcy Gregg. Talk to us about your painting journey, because I think that this is another one of the things that is so beautiful about how God has continued to write a story, um, write your story. And you, you mentioned how that, that it was at that point you picked up painting and uh, you're still painting today and how your art has been such an integral part of your healing journey. And Mm -hmm. not only is it just stunning and beautiful, but these, this artwork tells a story and there's such a deeper story behind each and every piece and each and every brushstroke, because it's all connected to who you are and, and, and who God is and what God has done in your life. And you know, I love to highlight, I mean, the whole reason that I started this podcast was I I wanted to tell the stories of people who are using the gifts that God has given them um, to you know, the people that are stewarding those gifts well, and how they are using their gifts to serve others, and that they're not hoarding those gifts for themselves, that but they are using those gifts to impact others, to positively impact the world or their community or whatever it is. And so you are somebody who is using and stewarding that gift of art and and painting and beauty and words to serve others and to and to tell God's story. And so talk about that for us and and share, you know, what has art done and, and how did the day that you picked up that that paintbrush and you began that journey, what did that look like for you? Well, it was really funny. I woke up one morning and I had this burning desire to paint. I mean, I really did. I woke up and I went to my husband. I said, I want to take art lessons. And he said, he said, Marcy, you majored in art in college. Why would you need to take lessons? And I said, I don't remember college. I mean, come on. (laughs) I did. And I really had no memory of taking painting in college. I, I really had no memory of that. So I I literally went and began to paint under a man here in Charlotte that is a fabulous um, instructor, a fa- fabulous artist. And I became his artist in resident. And I worked under him for a year and a very special year where I literally painted in his studio for five days a week, like all day long. And it was probably the most impactful year of learning for me. Mm. And during that time, it just grew this passion within me for color and for the oil painting itself. And after that, I began to bring home these huge paintings and all these paints. And my husband said, where are we going to put these? And so we decided I needed to get a studio and I did. And then before long, we realized it was becoming more of 
someone bought a painting and then before long, a gallery picked me up and it became a business. I mean, it just, it just happened. And I didn't, I didn't start off thinking I'm going to be a professional artist. That was not how I started. I started out as a passion, but it turned out that it just fell in. It just happened. But the neat thing was back in 19, it was, it was about nine years ago. My dad was really sick and I was, I was going to Texas to, for him to be with him right before he died. And I went to my studio to paint a painting before I left to go to Texas. And I was going to paint a painting for dad. And because I don't, I wanted to paint it and I wanted to show it to him before he died. And so I went to the studio and I mixed up some oil paint and I got this big canvas and I couldn't paint. I was so filled with grief because my dad and I were so close. And in my book, I talk about that, but we were really close. And I was so filled with grief, I couldn't paint. So instead, I painted on the canvas, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I just painted the words in big, bold letters across the canvas. And I paint, it was in red paint. I'll never forget it. And I literally put it aside and I ended up leaving the studio and I cried all the way home. And I left the next morning from Texas to be with my dad and he passed away. And I came back to the studio about a, a couple of weeks later and there was that big painting with that verse. And it was at that moment that I realized, and God literally spoke to my heart, that will be your underpainting for every painting that goes out from this point forward. You You will do my word. My scripture will be as an underpainting. And so I... I started in the mornings when I have my quiet time and I'm reading scripture, I find a verse and I put it on a sticky note and I take it to my studio. And when I start a new painting, that becomes the underpainting for the, for the painting that day. So what I'll do is I will paint that scripture across the blank canvas. And then I begin the can- the painting on top of the scripture. So every one of my paintings has the foundation of God's word, which is like life. Our lives are founded on his word. So that's so that there is a part of it. And then if you came into my studio today, people will say, well, tell me about your studio. Well, if you came into my studio today, you would see canvases that some of them are finished, but there's some that aren't finished. And you'd say, well, that's not very good. And I'd say, no, it doesn't look very good because they have multiple layers of paint on them when they're finished. And that one isn't close to being finished. Mm. And it needs many, many layers to be complete. It's with every layer that the painting becomes what it needs to be so that I will eventually, as the artist, put my signature on it and say it is done. And one day when I was painting like that and finally put my signature on a painting, I realized that is what it's like in life. That's the whole meaning of Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's putting layer upon layer upon layer in our lives. And you may be in a bad layer and it may not look good. But John 5, 17 says that God's always at work. So he's adding another layer and he's working it out for our good. So if you're in a bad layer, he's not finished. But every layer has got to be on another layer, on another layer, on another layer until he finally puts his signature on it and says it is done and we're, we're Christ-like. And I realized people say, well, do you wish you didn't, weren't an alcoholic? Do you wish you hadn't lost your memory? Do you wish you hadn't gone through all the things you've gone through? Do you wish you didn't have rheumatoid arthritis? And the th- my answer to them is 
those things are making me who Christ wants me to be. They're making me more who he wants me to be. So no, I wouldn't take those things away because in the end, the master artist is putting every layer on so that he will sign his name and make me who he wants me to be. Marcy, I just think that is so beautiful. And I think about, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, is while there are so many things in our lives that are just awful, awful, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so many things in our lives that we just wish sometimes that we could go back and delete and forget or remember or whatever it is, whatever. It, but when you really actually take that, you know, like 36,000 foot view and you kind of just re- almost remove yourself from being in the situation and you try, 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 even though we can't, but try to look at it from the perspective of of God's view you see it as it's all pieces of it. It's all layers of it, like you said. And um, you know, I, I think back to even things in my own life where if I had not make made this decision, even if it was a bad one, if I had not made this decision, then I wouldn't have done that decision and I wouldn't have done that. And I don't think I would be where I am had right. I not made all of those really terrible decisions and I wouldn't change where I am for the world. And it's so beautiful. And I just, I love the way that you describe just God putting his signature on it after all the layers are there. And oh gosh, Marcy is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, so what has, you know, obviously everything happened, uh, you know, 32 years ago. What was it that led you to write this book now? What was it that Mm. led you to tell the story now? Well, Over and over, people would say, you need to write a story. You need to write the book. You need to write the book. And I never felt called to write the book. I never felt like it was time. I really never thought that I had anything. I never felt like I was. it was time. And then one day, um, a very dear friend of mine came to me and said, I had a dream that you're supposed to write your story. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, it sounded different in my ears at that moment. She said it and God spoke to my heart at the same time. And that day I went home and I said to the Lord, you need to let me know if this is your will. If it's your will, I will do it. And over the next four months, I had event after event after event, person after person after person and thing after thing happened that literally was a confirmation that the book needed to be written. Psalm 105 tells us that we're to tell the wonders which he has done. And that was the number one thing. I wanted to tell what God had done because there were there were two miracles in my life. The first miracle was that he healed me miraculously. Every doctor in that hospital will tell you, even the doctors that didn't believe in God will tell you it was a miracle I woke up. But the other miracle was that he brought me out of alcoholism in in my backyard. That was the second miracle. It wasn't in a hospital. It was in a backyard on the grass. But that was a miracle because I was really in, I was an alcoholic. I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, but I was an alcoholic. and, And he brought me out of that. Those two things are miracles. And then he has walked with me so closely. I wanted people to know that are hurting because there's so many people out there that are hurting so much worse than I am. They have so many bigger hurts than I do, but if they can find hope in my hope in my hurt, then it would be all worth it. That was, that was my goal. And when I thought, well, this platform 
would be a way to do that. And for people to understand that if they are in a layer that's hurting, there's the next layer that God's going to do. He's not finished. He's still at work. If I can get that message out there, so go for it, girl. That was my, that was it. And I was, I was ready to do it. Mm. Amen, Marcy. Amen. Oh my gosh. This has just been such an a powerful, powerful conversation. I bought your book and uh, I am so excited to read it. And I just, my prayer is that every single person listening to this podcast right now, open up your Amazon or go to your local bookstore and uh, buy this book, Blank Canvas by Marcy Gregg. Go buy it. Read this story, share this story because your story is impacting others. Um, and the way that you just live and and lead and share with grace and love and humility is so encouraging and inspiring. And so thank you for what you're doing because you are stewarding your gifts well. And uh, you are are living out <laughs> this this beautiful life uh, full of beautiful layers. And I now have also a life goal to own a Marcy Gregg painting. So that's now my <sighs> new. So I don't know where I can buy your art, but I want to buy a piece of your art because your art is beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, before we go, Marcy, uh, now is the portion of the show where we ask just some fun get to know you questions. So are you ready for the get to know you round? I am. All right. All right. So question number one is if you had to eat the same meal every night for dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Love salmon. So I would do salmon and broccoli and... um, do you like salmon cooked a certain way? Like it's like lemon, butter, I like garlic. It, I like it grilled. Ooh. I like it grilled. I love it grilled. My husband grills it and it's just delicious with a little bit of lemon. Mm, mm. It's, it's divine. Yum, 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 yum. Okay. Are you influenced by any particular artist or has does your art come to you, uh, you know, just kind of naturally? It just comes naturally. I love Cezanne. He's he's one of my favorite artists, but I love I just but his work doesn't look anything like my work. I just I just love him as an artist, but my art just kind of comes, it really comes from the verses. And then I just put whatever the verse is, I'm inspired by that. And I paint what that verse speaks to me. So it really is the verse. And it kind of leads me where the painting's going to go. So it, it comes more from the verse than from another artist. I love that. Okay. So as I mentioned at the beginning, when I said that this is like a combination of that, that Rachel McAdams movie, is it, what's that, what it's called like Valentine's day or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, or yeah, the vow, like is it the, the vow, vow the vow. Yeah. Yes. The I vow. think it's the vow. the vow. Okay. So it's like a, yeah. your story is like the combination of the vow and uh 51st dates. So inevitably when a movie gets made about your life. And I'm kind of envisioning, was it like the the Kendrick brothers or like Irwin? Is it the Irwin brothers or something like that? I don't know. They make the good the Christian, ki- yeah. the good Christian the movies. The kid. Yeah. The Kendrick brothers. Yeah. Okay. So when the Kendrick brothers inevitably make your book into a movie, and I'm just going to go ahead and speak that out into existence. Come okay. on, Lord. Come You're on, so Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when the movie gets made about your life, who do you want to play you? Oh my gosh, that's wild. I don't know. That's a great question. Who do you think? Okay. So, I mean, like 30 year old you, let's see, let's see, let's see. Almost like a. Mm, 
We have to think of 30 year olds. I know. I'm like, who are the young actress, actresses? See, I don't know days? the young actresses. Who I know. Are they? I don't even know. But I almost think like in a, um, okay, not obviously this would not be possible, but if we could somehow like make her young again and transport her back in time, but like a young Goldie Hawn. <laughs> like, okay. Or maybe Kate Hudson, but she would be too old for okay. that point. But you know, that's where I'm thinking. That. Yeah. Okay. That would be good. Yeah. That'd be good. And I'll take that somewhere in there. We'll, we'll just, we'll just go. Somewhere. She'd be fun. I know she'd be so fun. And yeah. So anyway, so we're just gonna, she's fun. So just, okay. we're going to mark you it speak down. It. We're speaking it. We're speaking it, Marcy. You speak it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Two more questions. Number uh, qu- next question is what is a dream of yours that you have yet to achieve? Mm, wow. Um, a dream I've yet to achieve. Wow. That's a really tough one. You know, I would really love to speak to a big group in a big conference. Ooh, I'd really love to do that. That's going to happen for you. I believe it. I, believe I would it. really love to do that. That would be awesome. I'd, I would really love to speak God's word to a big conference. Mm, that's awesome. Okay. I love it. I'm cheering you on for that too. And I know joy is as well. Thank you. And then my last Thank question you. is the yes. question I ask all my guests. And that is Marcy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Mm. Well, for me, it's all about glorifying God. That's number one. So I get up every morning and I want to glorify him. So if my business glorifies God, I've done it. And it's, there's a verse that talks about, um, in fact, I was reading it this morning. It says um, to, it's very interesting. It says, live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And I think if my business lives in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ, then I've done it well. So that's, that's what it's all about for me. I just want to, I just want it to glorify Christ in all I do. Um, And I want people to see God in my art and I want them to see him in me. That's it. Mm, So good. Marcy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having uh, having me. Keep on doing the incredible work that you're doing. And uh, I just can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're wonderful. This, this has been great. Are you not absolutely inspired by Marcy's story? I love her so much. She's just one of those people that I could just sit down and talk with for hours and hours. She is an incredible human being. I knew you would love her. Be sure to tune in next week when I sit down with Josh Block. Josh Block is the owner of Block Imaging, and he has such a unique story. He is an incredible leader in the workplace. And this is really going to be a conversation for anybody who works in maybe more of a corporate setting, or maybe you're an owner of a larger company where you have a lot of people on staff, where you really want to create a place where people thrive and actually love coming to work. You're going to love this conversation. Josh is so kind. He's so funny. We had a great time. So be sure to tune in next week. But as always, I would love to know what you loved about this particular episode. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And you can tag me and use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. 
If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome new friend. There is a whole archive with past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners and community leaders who are doing incredible things in the world. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Make sure you head on over to whichever podcast platform you love listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever, and click that subscribe or follow button. And would you take a moment to leave a review so that I know how this show is personally impacting you? Thank you so much to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing this show. I couldn't do it without you. Now, as always, go do something good with purpose on purpose.